Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacevic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Chris Christensen to the podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hi, thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Well, Chris, you are the Director of Education at Noria, which I assume is pulling together a lot of IP, pulling together training curriculums, making sure the training curriculums are well-organized, effective, and all those great things. That is it. That's our goal. Exactly. That's what we're working on uh, even during this time that uh, we're having these changes going on. Excellent. So, although a super brief introduction, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, that type of thing? Sure. Um, I live here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, been working for Noria for seven years now. Uh, been in the adult learning and education field for about 16. Uh, so, um, done everything from build curriculum, courses, programs, to uh, actually, you know, and, and all that comes with that is training in the classroom. And it's all been for adult learners. Um, the uh, one of my stints uh, during those 16 years, I was actually a, um, you know, a coach for um, a performance coach for the Southwest region uh, in the um, University of Phoenix system. And so I got the opportunity to really work and focus on uh, developing individual performance. And um, that was very satisfying, 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 excuse me, um, as a part of my career, because you really got to take that training or take um, the, you know, the coaching process to watch a transformation happen uh, within a person's performance. So that was very satisfying. Um, so that's a little bit about what I've been doing, and I'm happy to bring those talents to Noria, and we're now in the process of building more and more courses that are focused on adult learning, as well as, you know, taking our trainers and, and working to get them to the next level um, with understanding the things that need to be done in the classroom uh, for that adult. All right. Excellent. So being involved with adult education for, you said, 15 or 16 years now, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into adult education. Now, one of the questions that we're hearing a lot about or being asked about is remote work and remote training. Mm-hmm. So from adult education standpoint, what is remote training? From a remote training, that's a, that's a good question. It has a, a, a variety of different levels. And when we think of remote, um, it could be anything from, you know, basically at your organization, uh, getting trained from the corporate or home, home office, um, either by some type of uh, online or, you know, conference call type uh, training. Uh, and, it, and it also can be from a, you know, a, a CBT that's being used, um, which is, com- you know, computer-based training, uh, which is being used um, more of an on-demand focus. Uh, but I truly look at uh, on uh, the remote training as it's happening now um, as this interaction between an instructor 
in a student uh, utilizing technology. Uh, it's really how I see it. You know, and right now the, the current technologies are, are almost these webinar video kind of conferencing. All right, excellent. Now, why would we want to use remote training? Aside from the obvious travel restrictions, COVID issues that we're having, what are some of the advantages to remote training that maybe we don't get from some of the traditional means? Well, you know, like you said, the the travel and all that, that's like given. But when we think about um, organizations that have uh, one or two individuals, especially in our situation, when we think about industrial plants, yeah, you have maybe one or two individuals that need this, this content and it is not necessarily cost effective to just do a training for one person. So what we're seeing there is the ability to bring multiple plants, those one or two individuals into a virtual classroom where they can work together and learn together. Uh, and what we're seeing the benefit there is that that organization now has this opportunity to create some kind of collaboration with each other. As far as another, um, we we'll talk about in the classroom effectiveness. Uh, one of the, uh, the the really surprising uh, benefits that we've been seeing is you, your traditional classroom. You may be doing a demonstration, or you may be doing um, you know some type of Q and A. Um, but there's actually some psychological things happening there. Um, one is if you're doing that demonstration, you sometimes have to bring people up to the classroom, up to the front of the classroom, and stand in a in a circle to watch. Um, so we may use, um, uh, you know, a gearbox to do some demonstration uh, or, you know, some gears to show me the interaction of the gears and what's happening in the different lubrication zones. So with a classroom, a church classroom, you got to walk up and you're kind of looking over people's shoulders, things of that nature. One of the beautiful benefits that we're seeing from this ability to use technology is we're able to put a camera right on that, that demonstration and now you're able basically right there in front of the demonstration with nothing blocking the view. Uh, so that's been a, a really neat uh, advantage of this remote tech training. The other piece is this idea of, um, it's kind of a psychological safety slash, I don't want to be looked at as um, uh, unknowledgeable or unintelligent uh, to be able to ask questions. And one of the things that the, the remote training allows for is a little bit of anonymity to where I can engage and ask questions that I may have not felt comfortable to do in a live, uh, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, training. Uh, so we're seeing that that has actually helped increase conversations uh, in the remote environment. Uh, so those are two, some, two significant um, uh, benefits that we're seeing from it. The other piece is the ability to you know, when these are all recorded or there's other materials that are at, at their fingertips virtually, um, that allows them to go back and review and study and uh, really let this um, information sink in. You know, uh, James, I'm sure you're aware of and, and uh, you know, maybe our, our listeners are not, but there's this idea that it's a, and it's a different model. It's not always agreed on, but there's a 70, you know, 2010 rule that, uh, you know, when you're going through course content, you're basically only really retaining maybe 10% of it. It's when you start getting into, and this is really true for the adult learner, the actual discussion or 
implementation of that training, that's when you start growing into that 70% retention. Well, some of that is this repetitive nature of going back and looking at the content. Uh, so the, the, the remote room, the remote kind of training, along with the supporting technology, almost a blended learning environment uh, really helps um, enhance that. Yeah, absolutely. There are there are some distinct advantages. Like you said, you get the full view. You're not looking over people's shoulders. Some of the models are 3D and interactive, so you can see things that you may not have been easily been able to easily see doing an instructor. Um, you can go back, review the content over and over again if you have, if you want additional questions or you want to reference something you covered already. Now, there are also some challenges with virtual training. Now, what are some of those challenges with virtual training versus the traditional face-to-face training? That's, you know, that's one area that we're really trying to, I think we've all been trying to solve is that that very question here. Uh, so the, the challenge is you, you kind of lose the, the camaraderie. Um, you know, it's funny how sometimes just a casual impromptu conversation that happens either at a break or, you know, uh, walking back and forth to the training, there's a lot of learning that can occur just in that. And I think that lends itself toward, you know, almost this get the instructor out of the way and let the, the learners share and try to assimilate the information um, on their own. And that usually, that usually is one of those enhancements to that, you know, return on your investment of training is that the learner then can really consume and, and apply it to their situation or be able to say, hey, what do you think about what they talked about in the classroom here? And have you seen that or have you seen that happen within your plant uh, or on a piece of equipment? So I think you really do end up learn, losing some of that. Now, technology uh, like uh, Zoom or WebEx or you name it, the different interaction through technology has tried to help that. Um, but I, I don't think it's been able to replace that. And I think that's when you get these uh, students who say, listen, I, I really need the face to face, you know, and the same thing happens with between not just student to student, student to teacher. Yeah, definitely that interaction, I think. And, you know, what I hear a lot of is the relationship building that comes with an instructor like class, right. Or traditional face to face class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that relationship building with the instructor, with the students, the ability to share those stories and experiences goes a long way. And I, that is very difficult to replicate through a virtual class. Now, I've seen some different ways of doing it, like you said, with Zoom and other platforms. And there's some other ways I've seen it done with chat boards and that type of thing. But it doesn't replace that face-to-face piece. And that's one of the challenges. And, and, yeah, exactly. And James, if we look at learning styles, you know, we all learn differently. Um, and sometimes uh, the social interaction is a way a person learns. And, you know, for maybe the person who just needs to see it and read it and listen, uh, you know, that may be their learning style. This is a, a fantastic medium. However, for that person who really needs to talk about it, uh, even maybe even feel it and touch it, uh, this learning um, platform or, or modality is uh is not as a, not as good for them. So you, you do have those challenges. And as a content creator, you got to figure out, well, how am I going to overcome that? You know, what solutions can I put in there that helps enhance that, um, uh, that learning for that, for that particular person? Absolutely. So now how can we ensure our remote training is effective? What are the ways we can 
imp- improve the effectiveness of that remote training, keeping in uh, to account, you know, the challenges and the benefits of remote training? That's a great question. Uh, James, I would almost say that, you know, my answer here is going to hit not just remote training, it's going to hit any type of training. Um, I am a firm ad- advocate of saying you have to have, you know, kind of a walking out this training and it, in your plan, in your day-to-day work. Because how many times do we have a training event and the, the fallacy, we've heard this for years, uh, this is a huge challenge uh, in learning and development. Have this training, the training event occurred, and then there's this thought, well, you've been trained. And that's all we need to do, now go do it. Um, and that is such a, you know, a disconnect with human behavior, uh, with cultural aspects at your plant. Uh, it, it is just not, it's not taking those particular things in consideration. So let me give you an example on that to try to tie those together. I go and I have the training event. This is how we're going to, you know, um, regrease a electric motor. And so we have the training event, we see it, we, we learn all of the different facets and why we're having to do that a particular way. Um, but then the very next day we go in the plant and the, the tendency is, to go right back to the way we're doing it, uh, which is maybe just running up, you know, hitting a couple quick shots and uh, greasing it and then running off to the next thing. Uh, and yet there was a lot of things we learned in the training class that we should be applying. So one of the things that's missing from that is that, or what could be causing that? Well, that could be a cultural aspect that's happening at the plant that says, yeah, we had that training, but we got to keep doing things the way we've done them because there's pressure from, uh, every, you know, from the t- fellow team members to say, just keep doing it that way. Or it's, uh, yeah, the training was good, but it's not realistic. So there's a lot of beliefs culturally about that that need to be addressed. Another way, another thing that could, could occur is, yeah, I understand all of the how-to, but I don't know when it comes to a particular situation, I don't know how to apply it. Uh, you know, this whole idea of regressing. So it's very good to have a coach come in and support the learning in the sense of, okay, you saw it, you get it from a textbook perspective, but now let's actually get our hands on and get it dirty and help that person coach them through uh, what they've learned and how to apply it. And like I said, that that that's same for remote training. Um, it's same for face-to-face training. Uh, you, you really have to make sure you get in, 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 you know, that model I talked about, which is the, you know, the 70, 2010 model, the learning happens in that the, the real impact of learning happens when you have this cultural change that starts occurring and it's a reinforced learning that, you know, reinforcing the learning that you, you uh, actually sat in a short period of time for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, creating those expectations of using the knowledge after the class goes a long way. So not only getting into those particulars or getting dirty with the information, but understand that you're expected to use the new knowledge and how are you going to apply that new knowledge in the future, I think helps create more effective training. People are paying more attention that way. True. And, you know, the other piece of paying attention is, uh, okay, I'm going to come check on you. I'm going to make sure we're doing it the way we're supposed to do it. Um, with this, like you said, that expectation goes beyond just how are you going to do it, but I'm going to, in a sense, and no one really likes this work, but I'm going to hold you accountable to making sure that you're doing it. Um, if you don't have that part of the aspect of it, uh, your training event is not going to make 
and it's not going to have the return that you you were hoping it was going to have. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the role of expectations to the learner and how does the line manager or supervisor, whoever communicate those? So that way those expectations are clear. Uh, great question. And the recommendation that I you know do with all of our, um, our managers slash clients when it comes to getting ready for a training, as I discussed this, that what are you communicating as to the reasons of why we're doing this? Uh, how, how are you communicating uh, the importance to this in our program. Uh, are you communicating to them that uh, you believe in it, that you uh, know this is the right direction to go into? Uh, as the leader, you know, one of the things that, that you have to remember is that that communication creates buy-in. If you're not bought in, they're not going to be bought in. So that's one. Uh, the other thing the, the leader can do, the manager uh, can do is say, Here's the areas that we're going to really focus on after we take this training and we're going to want to see, you know, X result, have a KPI you're going to connect this to, you know, um, one of the great KPIs we look at when it comes to lubrication cleanliness uh, is there's an ISO standard and that ISO standard of how clean your oil is uh, could be that KPI uh, where, okay, guys, the, our current you know, cleanliness level on our equipment or on our bulk storage is, is, you know, X, Y, Z. And when we go through this training, we're going to be focusing on contamination control. And I want to see it get up to here, you know, this, this clean. And that's now a new goal that everyone knows, well, I better pay attention to this class because I got to know how to get that to happen. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, a smarter way of preventative maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, connecting those dots, making sure it's clearly laid out is very, very important for communicating those expectations. Now, I've seen some organizations play with homework or offline work to ensure that the knowledge is being understood and applied correctly. Does homework and offline work help with some of this remote learning or is that just not a good practice? Uh, you know, homework, you know, it has its place, but let's make sure it's, a, it's, um, it's effective. Uh, just going back and reviewing material or just doing a worksheet or uh, answering some questions, especially when I think about our realm. So let me, let me make sure I phrase this. Uh, my realm is when I'm talking about people that are in the plant doing actual skill tasks. Uh, now, homework can fit better for maybe some leadership, um, you know, in classroom, more um, uh, cognitive type work uh, where you're having to uh, figure out how you're going to lead or how you're going to solve a problem from an analytical standpoint. You know, homework there might be good from an exercise standpoint to uh, you know, make sure I'm reiterating my learning. But when it comes down into the, to the hands-on uh, type piece, the homework really needs to be, uh, all right, let's go out and I'll do this together or let's go out and practice, uh, you know, taking a sample of oil from a machine. And that can be kind of a homework, but that is also serving a purpose to your daily to your daily activity, 
adults, we don't like doing busy work. We don't, we, we, we can smell right through it. it. We don't take it seriously and it doesn't stick as, as well. Um, another piece is that we're not reading as much as we used to. Uh, so if you're going to have a homework, have it uh, some type of quick, short bite of, of training that they go to remind them of what, what they learned in the classroom to reinforce it uh, would be my recommendations. All right. So it's got to be very targeted, applicable to reinforce specific skill sets. That's the best, best way to do the homework then. Exactly. That's the way. I, that's that's my my recommendation. Yes. Excellent. Now, what can managers do to ensure that the training they're going to provide their people is effective? For example, if they have three different providers that they're evaluating, how do they figure out which one is going to be the most effective? Well, I think you want to look at from those providers, you know, some of the principles that we discussed today, you know, do they have a mechanism of reinforcement? Do they have tools that can help you uh, go back and um, monitor progress? Um, you know, do they have ability to help you set KPIs uh, to, to see uh, if the training is being applied? Um, if you have an organization that just says, okay, we can come in there and, and do the training for you, you remember they're, they're kind of stuck in that learning event mode um, where your least amount of actual transfer happens. Look at an organization or you know a trainer who's going to want to really provide that support and give you guidance and ideas on how to connect that. And if they've got materials that do that, that's even even better. You know, um, one of the things that we've put together in some of our trainings is we'll kind of a, an outline for a, a toolbox toolbox chat um, where beginning of the shift, you know, let's pull out this this kind of uh, list of, of items that we need to remember and to to focus on and, uh, you know, maybe have some questions there to ask the guys, you know, all right, give me the five steps of what we have to do to make sure it's, uh, a, you know, a clean, a clean sample. Um, all right. And uh, let's let's hear some places where you've seen this working or not working. You know, those kind of integrations and questions that we want to put in, in our content to make make that effective. All right. Excellent. I really like how you mentioned, you know, are they going to be able to support and link the learning objectives to the curriculum, to the business objectives? I think that is critical. And yes. being able to support them through, like you said, identifying the KPIs, those types of things I think are vitally important. Yes, exactly. Now, what can the students do to ensure they're getting the most out of that training? <laughs> uh, get some sleep <laughs> before you show up. Uh, you know what? It, it's it's even, you know, it's a kind of a chuckle there because we see them fall asleep sometimes in your training, right? Because it's been a long day or that's not their shift. Um, but honestly, they need to come with answer questions they want answered. Um, so taking some time before you come to the course, look at look at what the, what's going to be discussed and then formulate the question, how is this going to impact me here in my job? How is this going to help me do my job better? Um, and what do I want to know about that subject to uh, to help improve, to help implement what needs to be done? So my job is, you know, quite frankly, we want to make your job easier, not harder, right? And, um, you know, ask those questions of yourself uh, and make sure you've got a, a framework in your head that 
when you come to the class, uh, you have places to put this information. Best example I can give that for you, I heard this a long time ago, is kind of like a mailbox, a sorting mailbox, um, where you have all of these kind of uh, cubbies and you get this information that's coming in and you have to now sort it and put it in the right spot. Well, if you don't have that cubby built, you're just going to have a bunch of piles all over the place. Um, and asking these questions and preparing yourself to say, what do I want to know about viscosity? What do I want to know about uh, contamination? And what do I want to know about different modes of wear? That way you've got that mailbox set up so that when you're discussing where, okay, good, I, that answered my question there. And um, you can start sorting and getting this information in a way that you can recall it faster. And remember adult learners, we like to know how does this apply to what I'm doing today? And uh, let me share my experience and how it connects. Um, so that's, that's one way that you really can make sure you're prepared when you come into a class. All right. Excellent. Now, lastly, there's the third part to all this, the instructor. What can they do or what do you look for in an instructor to make sure that they're going to deliver that remote curriculum effectively? That's great. And that's uh, that's where I'm in the process of teaching my, uh, my team right now. Um, as an instructor, one of the challenges that we have with especially this content, our content is very, uh, it's technical. And sometimes technical content is just strictly fact-based, you know, because it's based on research, um, it's based on um, actual results that have been observed, and that lends itself to a very lecture-based style, and a remote training is not going to work from a lecture-type-based style. Uh, it's almost like you might as well just take a, you know, a dental drill and do your fillings while you're sitting here in this class. Um, it, it, it's somewhat painful. So what my, my coaching and um, our goal is to turn our instructors into facilitators. Uh, and a facilitator will want to engage their audience. Um, and so as an instructor, you have to look at ways and mechanisms that you're going to engage your audience to participate. Now, right now, technology has been kind of challenged with being able to put, you know, 20 or 30 people in a uh, like live online situation where there's actual audio and video two-way. Uh, in some ways it works, but right now uh, with the huge demand bandwidth is being in the internet, it's being really turned down, toned down so that the quality is not as good. But you still can get around that with chats, question and answer areas, um, and as the instructor is in the class, what they need to do is say, okay, guys, I just talked about this subject. What is your answer to this type of problem? How does, how would you use this data to, uh, you know, fix or resolve or find an answer for this particular problem that you're having? And what that does is it makes them go, whoa, okay, he's putting me on the spot. I got to, I got to engage in this. And it makes their it makes the relationship start to to come about. Another thing is a sense of humor, uh, healthy in a good healthy way, not you know not over the top, but engage and banter with your students. Um, you know, obviously not not for the any kind of sacrifice sacrificing the content, but in a manner that 
makes them know that, yeah, I'm really here. We're really having a conversation and we're really engaged. And let me tell you, James, we've seen as my instructors have been getting better and better at that, uh, we've been getting uh, really good feedback from our um, from our students that they like this method of training. And some of them are even now preferring uh, it over going to a face to face classroom. Um, now, not all, but some. Uh, and that, that's kind of that's encouraging that we are actually making them feel like they're a part of the class. Uh, so that's really the instructor's challenge right now to make sure they know how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I've had some feedback from some of the classes as well that they enjoyed that versus a traditional one. But like you said, it's the instructor's ability to connect virtually, utilize what tools they have available, keep keep students engaged. There's a lot that goes into it. And if you have a good instructor, that can be the make or break, even if you have all the other things in place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would say that that rapport with your students, uh, you, you still got to be credible, but that rapport uh, really helps uh, the transfer. Absolutely. Now, what is the one thing you think makes the biggest difference in being successful with remote training? If there's one thing we could point to, what would it be? Hmm. Obviously being Prepared is it's been a huge one, but what I I think the the mo, the best way to make it successful, you know, as we talked about building that building that rapport, um, is ask yourself this question uh, for the instructor: Is everything I'm doing uh, creating um, intentional value to the experience? Um, you know, obviously, I'm just going to take an assumption that you're going to make sure you're teaching your content correctly. But are you increasing the value of the experience? Are you being intentional in that? Um, and then, as you know, splitting it off to the organization slash learner, um, you know, are you asking the question of how do I apply? How am I going to apply? Are you making sure as the leader, you're telling them how you want to see this applied slash what kind of result you're expect, expecting. So those expectations, I think those are the big pieces of this. And honestly, it kind of fits to all training, but especially in this remote to make sure we stay engaged and pay attention. All right. Excellent. Now, if you had that magic wand, what was the one thing you would change in a typical remote training session you've seen over the last, say, two, three years? Get this technology working, man. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would cry out to, to Zoom and all these I you know, I'm going to go call Elon Musk and say, listen, dude, you can land rockets after you shoot them off. Could you please fix <laughs> interactive face-to-face -face communication on the on the Internet? Uh, honestly, if I could wave a wand at that, I think that would dramatically improve uh, these trainings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the one thing I think that goes along with that is getting people comfortable with using their camera. Yes. Um, it makes yeah. such a big difference when you're trying to deliver a virtual class as people's, you can see their facial expressions, how they're reacting. Yeah. We're picking up on the, those nonverbal cues, but a yeah. lot of people still don't like to use the cameras. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, number one, I've had to have my instructors overcome that fear. You know, they get the, when they've started that process, they get the dog in the head. Like, so you can always almost, you know, think of what a, a student's going through. Uh, you know, that this is not their, you know, in a sense, daytime job, but in, especially in our industry, sitting at a computer is not one of their um, most exciting parts of their day. Um, their profession is getting in, get dirty, let's, uh, let's really make things happen. So, yeah, that camera, I agree, it's really getting us to learn how to use those well. All right, excellent. Now, 
What is the one action you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? Um, what can they do different? What do you want them to think about? What do you want them to do? Uh, number one, I want you to take this opportunity um, as we've had to you know, somewhat change our, uh, our paradigms about how we, how we look at communication. How do we look at training? Uh, how am I going to get my, my training done? Um, because I really believe, you know, this is not going away. Um, and I, I'm not meaning the current situation, but I think this, this method of learning has been growing. I mean, I, I, 2009 training survey said more and more organizations are moving to use this training, not just from the cost benefit perspective, but because time is important. You, know, you think about, um, you're going to have one of your your team members, and, and we talk about some of these plants only have one or two or maybe three at that particular plant. They can't afford to send someone away for a week or two days or what have you. When you know, think about you know, you can do this uh, right now in a couple hours or one day a week. There's a lot of different options. Um, so embrace uh, this new paradigm, and I think. Quite honestly, James, I think as as our generational uh, change is happening within uh, manufacturing uh, in industry, uh, we're seeing you know we at Nori have been seeing a and I'm sure you have as well a real embracement of t- using technology for learning um, because it's not so foreign to uh, most of that of that workforce. Um, so that's one. The other is really. Um, set expectations, take a seriously, serious, deep look at what has our culture been saying about X topic? You know, what have they been saying about, and in my case, machine lubrication? What have they been saying about, uh, are you a proactive or you're a reactive uh, situation at your plan? Are you, do, and mechanics are great, but are we firefighting or are we trying to prevent things from happening? And if you, look at that question and look at your culture, uh, you're really going to see how, how well this, this training is going to take hold. Use it, use training as a mechanism to help shape that um, versus just slapping some people in a class thinking, okay, I met that metric. Um, really, really look long and hard about that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Chris, first off, I want to thank you for taking the time to share with us your knowledge and experience, and even your learnings about delivering remote training, especially in this time. But before we go, I want to give you the opportunity to tell us more about where we can learn about Noria, the virtual training, the remote training options you guys are providing. Also, what resources can are, do you recommend for helping us either become better trainers or for potential students, evaluating potential trainers and those sorts of things? Okay, great. Yeah. Um, you can find all about uh, Noria's training at noria.com. And um, we have, uh, there's a whole training section that's there. We have basically, I look at three types of classifications of training. Uh, we have our certification series, which is geared toward and focused on uh, getting your certification in the ICML, uh, which is the International Machinery Council of Lubrication. And they have a variety of different levels of certification. And so those courses are designed to make sure that we cover the content that's in there, but they're also very effective courses to learn subjects of machine lubrication and oil analysis. 
Then we have another section which I call workforce development, and that is an area we're spending a lot of resources in right now. And this is more on the basis of how do I actually getting it done. So hands-on, task-based, uh, you know, focus type training to get your workforce developed to be able to, to meet your, your needs for your reliability program. And then the last one we have in a section there is for professional development. And uh, professional development, uh, when we think of that, is how do I expand my knowledge into other areas? Uh, Sonoria is moving and pushing in that direction. And we have a variety of different modalities. Live online training is our, our newest in, in focus. We've spent a tremendous amount of money uh, developing and, and really creating a, a, a high quality studio uh, and getting that getting it right uh, so that we're communicating in a very clear and effective method. Uh, so we believe it's gonna be a core mainstay of our organization. We also have our public seminars that are throughout the United States. We have licensed partners throughout the world. So we have global contacts if you have a need for that in other areas. And then we have the on-demand training, you know, and that's a, that's a pretty, pretty you know, stable mainstay of uh, what we call about remote tech training. Um, you can also contact me either through LinkedIn, uh, you can look for uh, Chris Christensen, or uh, my name, uh, my legal name is Harry Christensen, and I can tell you that may be popular now, Harry, but back when I was a kid in school, it wasn't so popular. Um, so uh, you can go there on LinkedIn, uh, reach me that way, or you can email me directly at ccristensen at noria.com. And um, as far as a, a takeaway, um, of a way that they can get prepared and, and do some of the things that I suggested there at the end. Uh, there's a book I would like to recommend. It's something that did change me. It's an older type book, um, but it's Ken Blanchard's um, Putting the One Minute Manager to Work. So everyone's probably heard about One Minute Manager, um, but this one has how does situational leadership connect to that? And what that does, James, is it really the whole model that's in there of how to develop someone and how to develop yourself even uh, is in there uh, to really give a good, not formula, but a good understanding of how a person grows and learns an actual topic, skill, or task. So that would be a good recommendation for you. All right. Excellent. I will put links to all that in the show notes so everyone can quickly and easily access those. Chris, once again, I want to thank you for taking the time today to share with us your experience with remote training. It's definitely a very relevant topic, and I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So that being said, thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure. Same here, James. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.